we will have that going forward with the support of all the people who've been helping us crowdsource the information. So even not just traveling, but just being able to deal with a pandemic or if there's a natural disaster. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the 89th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. I am super excited to share with you all. Our show focus for today is what's now and what's next. Certainly the times that we are living in are interesting and many of us are trying to reorient ourselves. Uh, What role should we play in all of this? Many of us participated in a national protest of sorts on yesterday that was focused on shifting dollars into black businesses. Blackout 2020 served to put the greater community on notice as to the power of the black dollar while providing another opportunity to highlight some of the incredible black owned businesses in our footprint. While we're there, in fact, I do want to urge you to download the black brand for the latest in black business news uh, directory pertinent to black owned businesses that you can support. Again, it's available as a free download on Apple and Android platforms. Simply enter black brand. You'll see the information uh, for the for the free download. So that's what's now. What we can do right now is we can support the businesses in our community um, and to help us to develop that thought further. We have with us an innovator. I Love Black People is co-founded by Christopher Mapandera, a Zimbabwean, and Sinclair Skinner, an African-American. ILBP is a black tech startup that uses technology to build a global network to protect black people from racism and xenophobia, especially while traveling and in new environments. ILBP provides safe spaces for black people across the world. It will be a leader in the creation of a cultural shift that empowers black people with the tools to spend their dollars with and in communities and places where they will be safe. ILBP will focus on engaging and connecting the black community as customers to black owned and black friendly businesses. Our goal is to make sure that no matter where a black person goes, they will be treated with dignity and respect. The member network is currently composed of 400 ambassadors and 40,000 members who've helped to promote and identify over 14,000 businesses throughout the world, spanning over 200 cities uh, for an app that is both Black-owned and Black-friendly. Welcome to the show, Sinclair. How are you? Hello. Thank you, Sinclair, and thank you for having such a platform that to share with so many people the importance of uh, supporting each other. So thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. And I'm very, very glad to, to have you. I'm certainly appreciative of the initiative. Talk a little bit about sort of the inspiration behind the concept. So looking at racism and xenophobia and tying it to uh, technology. So how, how did you come up with the idea? Well, I, I, my background, I went to Howard and, and Tuskegee at the other HU and, oh. and uh, mechanical, mechanical engineering. And okay. So my background is that, you know, but Booker T. Washington went to Hampton, so praise God for Hampton. There it is. Um, humbly, humbly. And uh, that, you know, I always had an interest in problem solving using technology. 
And Mr. Mapendera, my, my co-founder, uh, went to Howard University also and had been doing international business. So we had worked on some projects in Zimbabwe related to ethanol, trying to help deal with the fuel issue there. Uh, currently, they have sanctions from the United States. So there's a lot of difficult things for the, the black folks there in Zimbabwe. And we then developed uh, a, a, a platform to allow people to cheaply send money uh, using blockchain and Bitcoin technology. And we realized the issue transcended uh, payments, the issues that black folks face, be it a Zimbabwean or a so-called African-American or a Jamaican, we deal with some universal issues. And as we started thinking about solving the problem, we you know, came aware of the Green Book, which uh, was something that was a, a guide to help in, you know, created by black entrepreneurs, again, uh, Victor Green, but had many of the entrepreneurs were actually black women entrepreneurs. And it actually created this, this guide that focused on protecting black people uh, during American apartheid or Jim Crow. And we realized that we could create something very similar to that, leveraging technology, and be able to expand upon that, where we're not just identifying what the original Green Book did, was transportation, food, and place to stay. We expanded it to include healthcare, uh, legal services, education slash childcare, uh, finance, um, beauty, uh, and it created a uh, uh, essential guide for key areas of people activity, no matter where they would travel. So, and what a lot of people didn't realize is that the Green Book wasn't a black business directory, it was a survival guide. It, it, it wasn't trying to get us to spend money in black business. What it was trying to do is make sure you didn't get killed in a sundown town. Mm. So in different parts in time of the Green Book, it probably went from 40 to 60 percent, depending on the year, of non-black businesses. Because again, the focus was where could you go and be treated with, with dignity and respect, not who owned the business. Wow. So we looked at that as a model that we could use now and use that to help us develop what was necessary to protect black people. So in those days, we had black-owned, you mean uh, colored-only, white-owned. But now, you don't know until you go into a place and they start following you around. Or you look at what happened to George Floyd. He's in a business and he gets, you know, accused of passing a, a, a counterfeit $20 bill, which wasn't even a counterfeit. And, and it escalates to the police being called. Yeah. Well, obviously, candid. I've been to bars and drank too much but because they really appreciated my business they called a, a uber for me and got me home safely now they could have dealt with me a whole different way but i was somewhere where the people appreciated me and instead of thinking into a negative direction they actually valued me as a human being and made sure i got home safely so what we're saying is we can use technology just as much as uh bringing a bride share in many ways, uh, one of the most racist moments was trying to catch a cab in D.C., New York, no matter where you were, they, even with the black cab driver, a lot of them just would drive by us. But when they came out with these rideshare applications, it did a lot to render that type of, this is obsolete. Now, did it eradicate it? No. But it made it now that you can literally look at your phone and know what the car, when the car, and how the car is going to get there by just using your phone. Correct. It would have probably taken another another hundred years to get Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton to negotiate something like that and the taxing commissioners. So the, 
the problem using technology as a way to solve a problem. When I was at Howard, we thought that was a political science issue, when really it was a, a, a computer science solution. So what we've done is said, we're going to now create a global guide that filters out racism. It, 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 you know, I've been a black business owner since 19, uh, 1999. So I've been signing my checks on the front for over 20 years. But it's not enough black-owned businesses to cover the world. So you could be in Copenhagen, Denmark, and you get sick. It may not be a black doctor, but there might be a Mongolian woman doctor that all the black folks go to because she treats us with dignity and respect. That should be in a solution that's available to you, even if you're not from there. If you come to D.C., you're not from D.C. You can say, Claire, I want to go to a good Italian restaurant. I'm going to tell you about a restaurant that's super amazing and treats black folks well because I wouldn't send you no place else. But you may not know me. So you can't even get access. So what we're really doing is leveraging the brains of all the black folks who already got the solutions to this crazy puzzle of where the, the great places to go are and leveraging those brains using technology. And then for like applications like you have and some of these other folks have, once you're, you've got yourself situated and you want to now get a general contractor and deal with some other issues, then we want to make sure that we create strategic partnerships with black business directories and chambers of Congress to give people the deep dive information that they need. Because what we're trying to do is cover a wide range of folks. So currently we're in our beta. We'll have our first phase ready to launch August 31st. We would have covered uh, 236 key cities that were based on uh, travel, be it business or tourist travel, and, and uh, city centers that black people of all uh, backgrounds frequently travel. We'll have covered at least uh, three choices in the eight categories that we uh, mentioned so that we at least have the coverage that are necessary. Once we get the coverage, like I just told you, in each of these cities we have what we call I Love Black People Ambassadors. And what even I Love Black People Ambassadors are, they're basically almost like a welcome wagon. If you happen to be in a particular city, what we want to develop after we get the coverage is that people you can reach out to. Suppose you get an assignment or you're a contractor for six months and you're going to be in Austin, Texas. You've never been there before. You can reach out to I Love Black People Ambassador and just like an Uber, maybe they'll charge you, you know, a bit for two hours and take you around and show you the great places where you can care, the places where black folks live and treat you with dignity and respect, places where you can go socialize. But somebody that, based on their commitment to protect black people from racism and xenophobia, is willing to share their network with you to help you make it through the most vulnerable times. And that vulnerable time is not just for traveling. What we've seen with this whole COVID-19 is that racism is insidious when you're vulnerable. So that is cut you off just for one quick second. No, no, this is great. For the benefit of those that may have just tuned in, uh, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. We're having a candid interview with Sinclair Skinner uh, regarding I Love Black People, a fantastic uh, piece of technology really designed to um, to serve as a survival guide. And so I'm not going to cut you off again. Keep on going, sir. <laughs> no, thank you again. Thank you Absolutely. for leveraging technology the way you are. Um, and then, so we talk about the COVID-19. You know, I went to Tuskegee. I know how they experimented on black people in, in recent history, as well as being denied service. So if we have a system where we get bombarded with a new disease, 
and we don't have trusted places to go to verify what we should do, we're at the mercy of a disease in, in, the, in a society that's not been very kind. What we're building now is, again, a, a network of black, friendly, black-owned healthcare providers. So the next time there's a uh, catastrophe as it relates to a pandemic, we will already have a network globally of doctors and healthcare providers that can give us the proper procedures, the pro- proper practices that we need to take to protect ourselves. We will have that going forward with the support of all the people who've been helping us crowdsource the information. So even not just traveling, but just being able to deal with the pandemic. Or if there's a natural disaster, we don't need a Red Cross. All the Red Cross does is come in and pay the local people, and they take a lot of the money off the top. If we've identified the critical uh, providers of the different services in those eight categories, if there's ever something that happens again in New Orleans, we would have already identified these critical uh, factors. We're talking about food, shelter. We're talking about uh, uh, health care. Can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you just fine. I was asking you to bring us home. We were talking about why an, a technology like this can protect us um, in the event of a pandemic such as what we're currently experiencing. Are you there? Yes. We've got about two minutes. Okay, so in order to make great decisions, we need great information. And that's what we're oftentimes missing. Just information to let us know what places are going to treat us and, and give us what we need in the way we need it. What we're providing is a guide that makes sure that you have that information so you can make better decisions. And the information is there. We're just allow, uh, allowing ourselves to use this technology to crowdsource the information so we all can benefit from it. And that information is black-friendly and black-safe places. And the key eight categories that we mentioned that will be essential to whatever you're doing when you're traveling or when there's a crisis. Okay. So with that being done, let us know what the- I love blackpeople.com. Okay. And recommend, you know, uh, friendly and black-owned businesses that you you can become an ambassador. That's perfect. I just downloaded the app myself. I love black people. It's available on Apple as well as Android, or you can visit so, the website. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, the website and the, and the application are both in their beta phase. Okay. We are losing Mr. Skinner, who uh, dialed in from the Dominican Republic to share this great information. The biggest financial asset that you have going for you by miles is the value of your own earning power over the years. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. More important business insights are on the way. Stay locked in. Black Wall Street Today will be right back after these messages. Are you a 757 business owner? Do you desire to make new connections and grow your community involvement? Could you benefit from taking classes to sharpen your skills? Well, join Black Brand, Hampton Roads Regional Black Chamber of Commerce. Completing a membership application is simple. Just click onto our website at www.blackbrand.biz or download the app. We look forward to meeting and building with you soon. WHOV would like to thank Black Brand for its support of WHOV programming. Hey, this is Seiko, DJ Seiko Varner, the producer of this podcast. So when I'm not producing podcasts, I'm actually DJing wedding receptions, corporate events, proms, other formals, and I would love to take care of your special event. So our company is Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. 
That's www.positivevibes.net. We've been performing for over 25 years, and we would love to bring our expertise and our fun to your special event. Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. Peace and prosperity. When the conversation is good and the friends are even better, you'll find a wine that brings it all together. Shoe Crazy Wine. Remember that name, Shoe Crazy Wine. Available at Costco, Kroger, and these other fine retailers. We know you love jazz music, so... Let's try some jazz music with a little R&B flavor. What about some jazz music with a little trap flavor? Jazz and Caribbean. Hey, we mix it up. So, online, look for Grandpa Crunk. And enjoy the great jazz music. Grandpa Crunk. Jazz music. Listen. And now, more Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome back. It's the 89th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Super excited to share with you uh, our theme for today. As mentioned at the beginning of the show is what's now and what's next. And so to help us have the conversation about our strategic planning for the future of the black community, particularly as it relates to this issue of economic equity, um, are the founder of the COO team. She's no stranger to our show, Miss um, Lori Ruffin as well as Ms. Jackie Glass, who is the uh, steering committee chair for the 150-year planning process that we'll discuss, as well as Dr. Oliver Jones, and he's also no stranger to the show. He leads the economics pillar for this 150-year planning process. Are you all there? Yes. 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 Hello. Hello. Awesome. Awesome. Let's actually start with you, Jackie. If you would just kind of give us an overview um, in terms of the 150-year planning process, what it is, what it will mean for the community. Uh, give us your, your vantage point. Well, um, first, thank you, Blair, for, for having me. Um, thank you so much. Your plan truly um, it, it is ultimately this marathon that we want to run as a community to see the economic advancement of of our, our community. As I don't know if you talked about that, the basis of it is um, based off of the um, Claude Anderson book. Um, and what we're trying to do here is really map out the strategically the areas that we, we see uh our community advancing in, and it's specifically in the Hampton Woods area, and really creating a step-by-step plan for my child and my child's child to be able to pick up and say, you know, are we on track for where we need to be economically, and how do we keep moving the bar forward? Absolutely. Yeah, I love what you highlighted there. One of the trends, you know, that we're obviously seeing now is this push toward buying black, you know. Now more than ever, I mean, social media, popular media, it's all about um, supporting black-owned businesses. Uh, But we've noticed that that has not moved the needle in terms of the creation of black wealth. And so this move to really get the strategic plan in place um, is about impact 
connecting that metric. So I'll go to you next, uh, Lori. Just from the strategic planning side of things, um, kind of give us your view on how this actually helps us to reach the goal. Yes. Um, thanks again, Blair. For sure. Uh, by, by taking a strategic look at the critical areas of education, economics, media, uh, policy slash legislation justice, um, you know, these people and values, looking at at uh, the community through these various lenses, it gives us an opportunity to see how these different aspects of our lives uh, work with each other to uh, to, to affect uh, the, the, the dynamics of generational wealth. And so what I'm really enjoying about this process is we're looking at it through multiple lenses, um, listening to people who have expertise in these respective areas, looking at the data to see what are the stats, where are we today, uh, where have we been, and where do we need to go in the future if we want to see overall improvement. I think by taking a methodical, uh, a data-driven approach, um, as well as, a, I guess, a community-centered uh, approach to the conversation, it gives us an opportunity to, to chart a course that uh, does, it does more than help helps one particular area for short term, but it helps us to kind of set a longer term trajectory where we're able to move the needle over time. I love it. And, and to have a, a shared guide that can inform, you know, different organizations um, that, that we can all use uh, in our respective work. Because there's not one organization that does it all, right? Like, right. it's a community uh, effort. And so if we can have a central guide uh, or resource, I think it, it really can help us to work together in a coordinated way. Right. And ultimately, you know, once we really hone in on what this can look like, it's certainly something that we can share uh, across the country as other areas are looking to uh, galvanize their resources um, in a similar way. So super excited to, to have both you and Jackie on board. Dr. Jones, I know that you have obviously work background in economics and you've kind of put together this um, this model, uh, this this approach, and I would that you would share uh, what you can. Share what you can in terms of uh, where we're going here. And um, I, you, you alluded to, and one of our colleagues alluded to a data-driven model um, in doing the same. And um, and humbly, I feel you know, you know, you know, I was, I feel, um, I know that I, I, you know. Part of my purpose is being is being here at this moment to help to to guide this process. So 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 um, knowledge that gain is knowledge not just for me, but knowledge for um, the moment, knowledge for people. And so so um, I'm happy to divulge in the context in which we're doing it now. All right. So so um, one of the things that we looked at once once I heard the 150 year plan, I know that it was in alignment with with, with the work I've been doing, and I absolutely want to be a part of it. And, and, and the first thing that, that, that got me, um, when you say 150 years time, right, um, the first thing that got me was, okay, you know, you know, we're at a moment marking another anniversary of 150 years, right? Um, and we talk about the 400 years anniversary, and previously on the, on, the, on the call I talked about the 100 year anniversary of the Margaret Solid, right? 
but the 150th year anniversary was the what well, we basically are celebrating it is is the 15th amendment <laughs> right that that moment when we should have at that moment regardless what happened previously um should get a clean slate right right to go time to basically get a part of the american dream and the purpose and so forth so what we basically did wanted we wanted to baseline on history and see see what is it that we should have um what was committed what was promised and what are and what we earned over that time but did not get right um, you know in some context we basically look at it as what we define as black tax you know the stuff that 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 was earned the stuff that that that, that we should have we should have had long before, but definitely if we demark after the fifteenth amendment when after the thirteenth and fourteenth and fifteenth amendment, then okay, then alright, from that point forward. And so 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 we basically then um baselined um you know you know, that um discrepancy in in what if we were not um you know um African Americans, if we were in a position in where we 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 were all the time, we would have had. So we're not talking about somebody giving us a handout. We're talking about earned and should have had in the context of um, citizenry or in the context of we earn it, but somebody else didn't give it to us. And so, and so we look at that, um, you know, as a grounding and categorize that um, in, in data as a baseline to say, okay, this is where we are, uh, you know, as a people, a collective. Um, data we got from... Um, national data, we basically also, um, you know, integrate data um, from the regional data, the Hampton Roads region data, the state data, um, and, and context, contextualize it into base research and results that can be validated and verified and nobody can dispute those are facts, right? Yeah. And from there now, from, the, from that baseline now, um, you know, I, I, I share some of the models that we have in terms of um, moments of, of development as a, you know, you know, I look at history and I look at timing where, you know, this is that there is not being the first 400 years of the people being under something, right? And, 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 to, and, 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 and subsequently what history tells you, what, what, what are the next stages after that? And um, the stages of development into getting to ultimately where we want to basically not only, you know, you know start to claim what we should have, 150 years ago, but, but then to reclaim what was not over the last 150 years. So, so you have the claim that we start to kind of a walk, a period in which we, we're walking in what we're supposed to based on data and we can track and trace and with a strategy to do it. And then we also then start to basically put um, the infrastructure in place that we can rightfully then you know, track uh, for not all, just our generation, but uh, our generation, the children, and our children, and our children's children. Okay, so, so, so when we start to kind of contextualize um, that, we, for the last 150 years, kind of allowed it for, hey, we have the right to vote, just vote. And um, there are several times in history that we, um, uh, even now, we basically um, always are default to just vote. And if we can just vote. You know, it will take care of itself because we now are 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 supposed to be on level twenty. We find out now, and parts of the lesson of the one last one to two years that that's not the case. We have to actually um, identify the company what we basically are trying to accomplish and put strategies in place and being able to own the journey. And so, and so this 
objective of actually putting these lines in place to support um, what the rest of the team is doing is, is critical in my mind. And, and so we can actually trace and track and we can determine, you know, we'll be surprised looking back in the next 150 years that, oh my gosh, the last 150 years was what, like the previous 150 years. Yeah, brilliant. Just listening to you, I'm really thinking about specifically Lori at this moment because I know, Lori, you've got your hand in a lot of community work. Um, and I know that, you know, folks have got to be asking this question about about what's next. You know, where do where does my organization go from here? How do I... Um, how do I take what it, what it is that I'm doing now and ensure that it remains relevant? Is it still relevant? Are you sensing that with, with the leaders that you're working with? Definitely. Yes, because the, the landscape is changing um, pretty rapidly and then, um, you know, and unexpectedly. We, this time last year, no one expected to be in a pandemic. And when you have a global pandemic, there are so many different implications, right? There's economic implications as well as health implications, but then there becomes educational and academic implications Correct. as food systems are, you know, closed for periods of time. And so there's a ripple effect throughout society um, of things that are, are impacted. So leaders that are leading specific organizations, yes, they're asking, what do we do now? Um, you know, what is our uh, specific mission who are we called to serve? What are our products and services? And which of them uh, do we maintain or how, or how do we change them so that we can continue to kind of solve the problem that we exist to solve? So you have organizations that are asking that question for themselves. Um, I think one of the profound things about this um, 150-year planning process is it gives us the ability to kind of... Um, maybe zoom up uh, a, a little bit to a, a higher level, like a bird's eye view, mm-hmm. and look at not just one organization, but look at a community, um, look at trends. That's really where I was going with it. I'm wondering if you're mm-hmm. sensing that, and I know, Jackie, you can speak to this as well, that folks are looking at, you know, where maybe they were just focused on the community that they served, they're now looking mm-hmm. at how they can lock arms with other community leaders to have that much greater an impact. Is that what you're seeing as well, Jackie? Absolutely. I mean, I, I can tell you, like Laura said, once, once uh, the, all the world stopped, um, and I put that in quotes once the world sort of stopped, yeah. um, and we started really having to hone in on other folks' realities, right? specifically the black community realities I mean there was there I can't tell you the number of calls and it's like well, we're gonna we're gonna do probably that thing that we thought we were doing before mm-hmm. of, of connecting with communities and making ourselves uh, uh, using other organizations resources and locking on that locking arms that that was sort of not I don't want to say it was fictionally done but it wasn't done at this level to this magnitude yeah and what and, I think ultimately we as a people are learning is that, you know, engagement doesn't necessarily mean cooperation. Correct. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, folks are on board and I think we're getting to a point where it is, it goes beyond we're going beyond just touching points with uh, with people in community. We're going beyond cooperation. We are conspiring to do 
the deeds that need to be done to be a service to, to our community. So that is why I think it's super important that as the 150-year plan process really hits its peak that the that that our communities not just engage with us while we are having these conversations, but be pulling together their their networks and organizations to to act with us, be our co-conspirators in this this plight, this marathon to um, create black wealth. Right, right. I, I sense that there's just never been a better time to put together a plan like this. You know, I think about what we thought we were going to do, you know, prior to the pandemic and just all the ways in which the plan itself has been sort of shaped by what we're experiencing now. You know, you take, for example, the education pillar, you know, and really needing to think through, will the plan do right what it needs to do in an environment like this we don't know we don't know how long this will last and we don't know if there will be future moments where we'll experience this kind of uh uncertainty right so i'm just i guess i'm excited for a number of reasons we've only got three minutes i definitely want to highlight the fact that we have a listening session coming up um on july the 18th the entire world can peer into what has been our process there'll be an opportunity to connect with not just the individuals that are on now, but also uh, the other members of our steering committee. Um, you can visit Eventbrite and type in what's now, what's next. The event will come up. If you already have the Black Brand app downloaded, you can also find the event information there. There's no charge to participate. And we're really looking for your feedback. This is a transparent process, um, and this is something that you know we would that you would inform as well with your viewpoint. So take the opportunity, um, complete the event right registration, tune in via Zoom or via Facebook Live, um, and, and we certainly you know, will look forward to that time. We've got, oh, did I, I'm sorry, July 21st. I said the 18th. July 21st is the actual date. The event goes from 4.30 until 5.15. Again, you can get the information via the Blackbird app free download or via Eventbrite. Thank you so much, Lori. We've got just a minute here. Can you give us, I don't know, 30 seconds, uh, Dr. Jones? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I uh, got a year <laughs> for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, come on, you're biting my thumb. <laughs> right. yeah. okay, so what, what, what I, what I, what I um, encourage um, um, everyone to do is to basically uh, you know, understand that what's being developed now is that this is not this is not even black trend thing. This is Correct. this is like a a, a, a a period that is so bigger than us that that it includes all of us. Right? So 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 I don't want um, anybody to take away anything from this that this is a, an an organization or this is a university or this or anything. This is a moment and a plan for this for this moment, and and um, and they have to be hosted somewhere. But, 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 but we got to stop you know, there. I think that was well said, Dr. Jones. There. And everybody needs to stop Yeah, we're simply, yeah, we're just taking the lead on something that everybody should and, and, and already does connect to. So, again, I want to thank you thank all you. so much for your time today. Um, and, and certainly, uh, we'll have another conversation next week regarding this 150 year planning process for those that are still wondering what's now, what's next. A uh, special thank you to our guest today uh, and to our sponsor. 
sponsors, Apex Financial Group, the COO team, as well as Milestone Mental Health Agency. And thanks for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, building connections, and forging the path ahead toward business success in the black community. We'll talk next week. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black.